0: Welcome to the 25 Stay Alive podcast with Hugo and Dahlia, two cancer survivors who are passionate in helping the lives of others. Nothing is off limits, so prepare yourself for tears, laughter, and goosebumps.
1: And Dahlia talking about poo. <laughs> 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 Salut, Sava. I've decided that I have to say hello, how are you, every single week, so I may as well learn it in a bunch of different languages. So, Sava, Hugo. Oh, oui, très bien. <laughs> oh, you actually know French,
0: Dan? <laughs> oh, you eleven French. Yes, I'm very good <laughs> coming out. How are you going though, Dahlia?
1: I didn't Google how to say I'm well, but I'm good. Thank you for asking.
0: <laughs> and look it is said I think the whole how are you going makes today's episode very prevalent because we are going to be talking about mental health. I think we need to talk about it more and just something as simple as asking how people are is a good place to start. And I know recently, Dahlia, you put a post up Saying how, since being cancer free, you had a day the other day where you're, you're struggling quite a bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I started chemo treatment in December, and basically, the whole seven months, I was pretty okay. Like, I was a bit down on the days that, you know, the chemo really got to me. But for some reason, post chemo has been much harder for me. Um, I've been much more emotional. And like you just said, on Saturday, I just cried uncontrollably for hours, which I have not done before. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't know what to do. I didn't. I didn't even stop to think. Or oh, maybe I should go meditate. You know what I mean? Like I just felt like I didn't have the tools to figure out how to sort of calm myself down. And mm. um, kind of took until Sunday morning for me to really readjust.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do love how you openly shared that to everyone. I said, "Hey, look, I had this down day. I've never experienced this before. I started crying uncontrollably." And you kind of just said, "Look, it's you know that's what happened." You kind of weren't hiding around that. I think that's important. And I'd like to just personally just say. I think it's good to show my vulnerability. And I think part of this episode's all to do with saying there's no shame in seeking help. You know, I currently see a psychologist. I'm very open with my experience of mental illness and I've definitely had definitely bouts of depression, more so recently with my um, bowel cancer battle. And I have had times where I've really, really struggled and I have experienced that depression uh, and what it's actually like. And I'm open with that for this for that reason to say, you know what? There is no shame in seeking help. I'm showing my vulnerability to say, you know what, I do need help and I do struggle a lot. And I find that's so important that if anyone's listening to this, they might look at me as being this positive guy, but I do struggle as well.
1: And I know that it's a very much, a, you have to find the right psychologist for you. Mm-hmm. That's just one thing. And then the other thing that I wanted to say from my own personal experience, well, at least just my experience on Saturday, I just had this overwhelming feeling of loneliness Mm. I really just felt isolated and I just felt so sad and lonely that day. And I guess I was speaking to a close friend and um, what, he, what he said to me really resonated. He said to me, what are some activities that you enjoy doing by yourself? You didn't have to go to work and David was somehow busy all day. What do you enjoy doing alone? And I just sort of stopped and thought to myself, I, I couldn't think of anything. He said to me, you know, it's more common than you think that, you know, when you ask someone that question that they don't have an answer. And for me, that's, that's what I'm going to be working on. Like, I feel like working on your mental health is something that you should be doing daily. Not when you, only when you're feeling down, it's something that you actually need to work towards. And so for me now, I'm going to start thinking and putting things in place. What are some activities that I know that I can enjoy doing alone? Yeah, And that's that's what I'm going to work on mm. so that maybe if I'm feeling down one day and I'm feeling isolated or lonely, just because you're alone doesn't mean that you need to feel lonely. I guess it sort of ties into the um, news article that we both read about Dane Beams mm. telling the world about his mental health issues and struggles, which we both found very interesting.
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, Dane Beams, he's an AFL footballer. He plays for Collingwood, Recently, um, previously played for... Brisbane Lions, he's a quite a talented football player and his dad passed away of bowel cancer. And Just he, last year. Yeah, last year, and he's really struggled and he's openly come out and said, I'm a broken man. And he then further went on to say, I'm not posting this for people to feel sorry for me or to speculate about my life. I'm posting this because this is an issue that I'll continue to shine a light on because it is real and it can be so, so debilitating if it's not treated. So here's a AFL star that plays for Collingwood He's on significantly good money. He's got a young kid on the outside, looks like he's got this dream life and he's openly come out to say, I'm a broken man. And I think that's a prime example and something we're keen to explore is that something like mental illness does not discriminate.
1: I think it's really interesting, all the other players that they mentioned too, because they talk about uh, Matthew Broadbent from Poor and a couple of other players who have um, also recently taken to the public to come out about their mental health issues. And I just wonder how much athletes or people that are, you know, not even so much athletes as well, like actors or anyone who's in the limelight, how much more likely they are to suffer from mental health issues.
0: And yeah, and touching on that, Dally, when you mentioned other AFL players, is a young player called Tom Boyd, and he played for the Western Bulldog. He's only 23 years of age. So he's in his Thanks. absolute prime of his career. He recently got... Traded from GWS to Bulldog, and he's on a million dollars a year. So, picture that you're a 23 year old, you're on a million dollars a year, and he's recently, as of this year, retired. Basically, saying that he's battling mental health. And so, here's a player who's from the outside, once again, seems like he's got everything, living a dream life that most 23 year old men could only imagine what it would be like. But he's coming out to say he can't play AFL anymore because he's seriously struggling. And I think it's so important that there are so many cases like this and like Tom Boyd to show that it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a celebrity, AFL star, it doesn't matter. Mental health doesn't discriminate or mental illness doesn't discriminate. It's pretty
1: shocking to see on the um, Australian Bureau of Statistics that the um, statistics in suicide are on the rise. And I suppose I wonder how much of that has to do with social media.
0: Yeah, it's a big one. You could be on the other side of the world and at your fingertips, you can go log on to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and write something about someone on the other side of the world. And, you know, you don't realize how much that can really adversely affect someone.
1: Yeah. Even as little as, um, not as little, but as, as simple as like, you know, how people might post like memes, it's a, you know, might be an embarrassing photo of someone with a hilarious caption, even just Liking and sharing things like that, like circulating things like that around the internet mm. is, some, is a real like indirect way of bullying or like harassment mm. unless that person's, you know, obviously uh, agreed to have their photo posted, which most of the time they haven't.
0: I think the big one as well there is that we're all human and I think people forget that. Sometimes your actions that you do online or like you said, even if it's sharing something or, you know, writing a comment about someone, Doesn't matter if you're an AFL star, an athlete, a celebrity, whatever, we're all human. And these people, they go home at night and they're they're prone to feeling down and they read these things, what people say about them, and it can seriously affect their mental health. Well, no
1: one wants to like go online and just see horrible comments about them. For some reason, people think that, you know, once you're an athlete or once you're an actor or, you know, once you're in the spotlight that you're allowed to harass them. Mm. And they mentioned that in the article that there was a fan that was making comments about Dane's late father, which is just unbelievable that there are people that feel like that's appropriate behavior.
0: Yeah. He, um, he said, why should players just have to put up with this shit? It's disgusting. Some of the abuse players cop. And then it said, yeah, Beams is the fourth player this year to go public with their mental health. And if you think about it, that's only the fourth player to go public with their mental health. There would no yeah. doubt, not, obviously we don't want to speculate, but you know, if they're the only ones that have gone public, how many others are also struggling that haven't gone public? Precisely. That's why I think this article really is important and why Dane Beans has come out with this article for this exact reason, because he doesn't, like he said, he doesn't necessarily want people to feel sorry for him. That's not the point. He wants people to realise that, he's struggling and he wants to shine a light on this issue to make people realize that, you know what, people like him can struggle and they're not immune to being, you know, depressed and they're not immune to, you know, mental illness. And I think it's a very prevalent point. And, and touching on that, a very well-known figure at the moment, Wayne Schwartz, he's an ex-AFL player and he's currently a huge advocate for mental health and he's um, he's currently the founder and CEO of a, of a foundation called Pucker Up, which is basically a social enterprise Uh, whose vision is to create the environments for every person to have authentic and genuine conversations about mental health and emotional well-being. So basically for people to talk about mental health and to make it normal conversation and to normalize and change the stigma associated with mental health, mental illness uh, and suicide. I think it's amazing. And there's a very strong quote from Wayne Schwartz. He's got his premiership medal and there's a powerful photo of him celebrating. And he says, this is what suicidal looks like. So it's just a very powerful moment. Here's a player who has just reached the pinnacle of his career. He's just won a premiership medal, achieved the greatest amount of success that most AFL players strive towards is winning that premiership. And he's saying, this is what suicidal looks like.
1: I feel like, oh, sorry to interrupt. I feel like maybe the success of some athletes, and this is just my observation, almost might exacerbate their feelings because I'm just assuming that if you were to get to that level, okay, you won the premiership, well, and you're still unhappy, you're kind of, you'd feel really, I don't know, bad about I've just done exactly what I've wanted to do and I'm still not happy. Like do you think that would sort of just like be a bit of a vicious cycle kind of like contributing to the feelings?
0: I think that as an outsider to me goes to show holy shit how fucking powerful and dangerous depression can be
1: and i think it really reiterates the fact that things and stuff won't make you happy solely relying on on things like that to make you happy like it's really a matter of looking inwards i suppose at this point because even you know winning a premiership didn't cure it maybe he thought that it would i don't know but from what i from friends that i've known suffering from depression it seems like one of the leading causes of not wanting to seek help is thinking Oh, I'm not that bad, or there's probably someone worse off than me, and they kind of belittle their own
0: feelings. Mm. They don't think they're actually depressed. They don't think they're at a stage where they're bad enough, maybe?
1: Yeah, bad yeah, bad enough. You know, because maybe they're not thinking about suicide. They're just depressed in general. Just because you have depression doesn't mean that you're gonna be suicidal. They think, oh well, I still wanna live, so I'm not as bad as other people, so I'll I'll just leave it.
0: Yeah, and I suppose I'm touching on that point with um, Pucker Up. So once again, this is the social enterprise that Wayne Schwartz has, he founded. The website says here, we're committed to creating environments for every person to be able to talk openly and honestly about mental health, emotional well-being and suicide prevention without fear or judgment, without fear or judgment. I think that's the big point in that paragraph is that a lot of the time people think that they're going to be judged or, you know, they fear to actually seek help. They think that, you know, and look, men probably more so than women, just because of that sort of that masculinity Mm. of, you know, I'm a man, I can't show my emotions. And it's kind of breaking that stigma to go, you know what, there's no shame in seeking help.
1: And I think like the easiest way to spread information on a large scale is through education. And I feel like the easiest way to do that is in schools. And like, come to think of it, I'm trying to look back on school and remember if we if we did talk about suicide like I don't ever remember them discussing suicide or mental health anything like that or maybe they did and it didn't stick with me personally or I'm not sure but no look I, you? Think,
0: no, I think I think it is still an issue it's still a topic that people shy away from and I think the media do it and I think you know, it's one of those things that, I, look, there might be reasons for that, that, you know, once again, we are both not experts and we want to try and reiterate to this episode. We're not trying to be expert. We're not medical professionals, but it's just kind of our, our observations. And I've found that the media almost shy away from the word suicide and, you know, whether or not that's because it's a trigger for other people to kind of, you know, hear that word and it kind of triggers something in themselves. I'm not sure, but if we want to if change that-
1: anyone who work, yeah, If anyone who works in the media who knows why, sort of reporting on suicide is you know tackled the way that it is please please let us know because yeah it's it's definitely not reported on at all
0: but i think it just it goes against changing that stigma to go we want to make talking about mental health mental illness suicide prevention we want to make it talking about it as part of everyday life normalize it and i think not talking about it it goes completely against that and almost hiding behind the fact to go you know what this man here's depressed. This lady here's depressed. Let's talk about this and normalise it in everyday discussion because something seriously has to change. And I know you're reading a few statistics out offline before Dahlia about the prevalence of mental health, and we touched on how it's risen uh, in the you know the launch of the digital age and things like that have probably impacted that. But men and suicide particularly, and this is um, direct once again taken from Beyond Blue. So it says each day in Australia six men take their lives. 82 men call an ambulance due to suicidal thoughts or attempts. So that's six men in Australia take their lives. And I think that's just such a alarming statistic. And I think part of the reason is, once again, not speculating is the fact that I think the stigma of men almost having the shame of seeking help just from us having this discussion and you know our listeners listening to it we, we urge you to also think about this issue in the light that you know it is serious and needs to be spoken about because currently suicide is the leading cause of death for both men and women 15 to 44 in Australia you know it's 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 obviously a serious issue and something that we've got to change we've got to change that stigma we've got to talk about it we've got to you know work out why that's the case and I think these people like Wayne Schwartz who have you know, started up this pucker up. And, and if you and I, by having this conversation, even helps one person listening to this to talk about someone or help a mate out, then I think that conversation is, is very well worth it. But
1: the, but, this, but the thing is that men, like I'm, I'm reading the Beyond Blue website statistics, it's saying that men are less likely than females to experience depression or anxiety. So they're less likely to be depressed, but they're more likely to commit suicide. And I think that might be because of beauty standards that are just on the rise. For example, and again, this all ties into social media. It's one big umbrella that all seems to sort of mash together all these different problems with social media because as a, you know, let's say 14-year-old girl when I was growing up, I might compare myself to my neighbour, the kids I go to school with, the school that was kind of down the road and that's all the people that I could compare myself to. Now, 14-year-olds have access to every other person on the world in the world, really, that's online to compare themselves to. And so obviously beauty standards for women are drastically changing and expectations of how women are supposed to uh, look, act, dress, behave, it's just in your face more, you know? You can't switch it off. You don't leave school and then it ends there. You come home and it's Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, like endless amounts of social media platforms where you're comparing yourself to other people. And I feel like young girls are really... I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see over the next sort of decade how this is going to go because, you know, with people being able to Photoshop a lot of their images, they're setting unrealistic expectations for women. So I feel like that's contributing to why women are more likely to. Feel depressed or maybe feel self conscious in that way. I don't know.
0: Yeah, look, just it's, sort of
1: saying my thoughts out loud
0: here. Well, that's why this is exactly what the episode's about, and I think you just touched on the culture of comparison. Really, we did an episode previously on that. Social media surrounds our lives, most of our lives, but it's an interesting point because obviously, I was also reading an article with the upside of social media for teens, and they're saying that you know, teens who struggle with social skills, social anxiety, social media can actually help that in a way. And this is what this, totally. article, this article is saying that, that, you know, these people can now talk to some friends online or, or go on Facebook and chat to some mates and that makes them feel good. So I, I think-, think the
1: gaming community is a perfect example of that. There are people that, you know, might suffer from social anxiety and things like that, but they can play with their friends online And still feel a part of a community. I think that's a really big positive that social media has brought to to 2019. And despite being able to compare yourself on every social media app, for some people who are suffering from mental health issues, they might have a few minutes of clarity where they do want to reach out for help. And having a mobile phone means that you can instantaneously. You can contact, talk to counselors online. You can talk to your friends online. You can um, access articles, tools, things like that to help you. So it's kind of like, a double-edged sword, you know. It's it's mm. got some pros and I,
0: cons. I think you just hit the nail on the head there, Dalia, and that's exactly right. I think it is um, the double-edged sword approach, and you know, I guess the argument will always be: does the negatives, you know, outweigh the positives? Uh, and you know, social media can be advantageous, like we've just touched I on. I mean,
1: for me, for me and you, that's how we met.
0: That's how we met. So exactly, this podcast so, would exist yeah. without social media, like we. Nope the you know amazing guests we get on the show more often that we meet through social media um so the
1: thing is being being a youth with bowel cancer i don't know anybody who's in person i haven't met anybody in person under the age of 40 who Mm. has bowel cancer so it's very difficult for me and for you to be able to have someone to relate to whereas i have countless online friends who have bowel cancer who and, are yeah, in their 20s
0: and exactly right And so we'll look at 25 stay alive 25 stay alive is a social platform it's it's a platform which people can go on our instagram or message us on instagram or facebook or listen to the podcast that's all done through the digital age however by doing that we're connecting people uh it's made, it's good for i've, I've been openly say 25 stay alive has been amazing for my mental healing itself because I've really found it very Same. almost therapeutic to talk to people like you, to talk to people like, you know, Natalie we had on the show the other week and these amazing people we get on the show. I find it really therapeutic and it's, it's been really rewarding for me. And so that is a prime example of a positive of, you know, the digital age. However, I think once we, you know, we're steering away a little bit and I think it's uh, the important thing to note is that it clearly is Still a problem. You know, part of those negative components we just spoke about, Dale, we just spoke about a few positive, but it's the focusing on likes, um, the things like cyberbullying, you know, internet trolls and things like that. And I know you spoke to me offline about that and you had a bit of your own experience with with something like cyberbullying or internet trolls.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe like four years ago, so that would make me 24. I was drunk at a music festival and a photo was taken of me. And you couldn't see my face in the photo, but it got uploaded to kind of like a name and shame kind of website. And it got thousands of likes, thousands of comments. And the comments were horrendous. Uh. One of the comments said something like, you should have been hit by a car. Wow. You know, I'm not going to mention any other ones just because they were actually like that brutal. And I guess I'm trying to sort of like block it from my memory, but it was horrifying. I cried all Day until that photo got taken down. And, and then, I reported it on Facebook multiple times. I got all my friends to report it multiple times, and nothing. Facebook said it didn't um, violate Facebook standards, which I think is insane. A woman's nipple is going to be is going to be against Facebook's um, community safety standards, but a photo that I have not approved to be taken of me that's been posted. You know, with all these awful comments, no, that's not against their safety guidelines. Mm. When you can see, when you can tell that the photo or like the meme or whatever is at that person's expense, I won't share, it, I won't like it. That's it's just not something that I'm ever going to participate in again. And it's unfortunate that I had to wait until it happened to me before I realized. But it has, and I won't do it again. And I, I urge everyone to really consider what you're doing by sharing images of people who might not know that their images are being shared.
0: It's it's a good point. And I think it's where we want to kind of finish off on that social media component is that you don't realize A, how your actions can affect others, but also B, it's that kind of happy medium. So it's kind of that balance, I think, of, of social media with real life. So I think if you can have that happy medium and you can have that balance, then social media and the digital age can be extremely advantageous but if you don't have that balance you know it can also be quite detrimental to your mental health.
1: Just to reiterate I'm just looking at more stats on Beyond Blue and it's saying suicide rates in, in Australia are the highest they've been in over a decade so I think it's now more than ever we need to start the conversation.
0: You know having the conversation whether or not you're the individual that's going through this mental illness or this struggle with your mental health uh, or a close one to you whether it's a family or friend how you can start that conversation so the big one there is you know talk to someone if you're worried and if you think that you know what i have been struggling a bit and you're even just questioning that then you know what that's a good thing look into it and talk to someone and i think that's the big one and dahlia touched on it before when i said that i openly see a psychologist if you go see a medical professional and you don't connect with them can't. There are plenty of other support networks that you can seek. So don't feel like if you see one psychologist, that will be the, the answer that you need because it might not be. But you know what? There is plenty of other support networks out there. And I think uh, Beyond Blue is an awesome place to start because they also give national helplines and websites to things like um, Men's Line Australia, Headspace is a really good one, you know, all sorts of support networks. So definitely go on the Beyond Blue website Uh, as a starting point if either you're struggling or someone close to you is struggling. If you can do one thing from this episode is either talk to your mates, talk to your loved ones or if you yourself are struggling, please seek help. There is no shame in seeking help and there are so many avenues and support networks out there. So let's together create that ripple effect of changing that stigma and normalizing the conversation and actually just talking about it to go, you know what, these statistics we've been reading out are fucking alarming. Can we all need to work together in changing those statistics?
1: Absolutely. So hopefully everyone's taken a little bit away from this. Hugo and I really want to make it clear that we are not professionals. We're speaking from our own experience. Um, And if there's anything that we've said that you know is true to be incorrect or you feel like we've used terminology incorrectly, anything like that, please let us know, not even just this episode, any episode at all, but because all we want to be doing is reporting facts and the truth. So it's really important to us that we stay... Stay on the right track.
0: Couldn't couldn't agree more. And I think um, it's also important to us that we do seek the medical um, opinions or the medical professionals. And that's why we're um, 25 Stay Alive resident psychologist is Dr. Joe Lukens. And um, she said she would love to come back on a show and do a live Q&A where you guys can send in all your questions that you have for Joe. So that will be definitely coming up as well thanks everyone for tuning in to today's episode we will end things there as always we really appreciate each and every one of your support and please never hesitate to reach out to either one of us thanks guys
1: see you later i mean au revoir
0: you've been listening to the 25 stay alive podcast subscribe on itunes or spotify to get fresh new weekly episodes follow us on facebook and instagram at 25 stay alive And feel free to send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.